So at this time, I encourage the rest of my Nehiao, the rest of my indigenous people all across the country to speak out, to mobilize and to organize, to represent yourself, your family and future generations and to our allies to make a change in this world. We are indigenous people, we are strong, we are resilient and we will continue to be here but we do not have to tolerate these injustices. talk about the verdict in the Colton Bushi case for both of us who kind of been trying to figure out how to enter the conversation and I haven't found a way yet uh, because this is just so upsetting so let's just talk about it so last night the jury rendered their their verdict which acquitted Gerald Stanley of uh, the crime of second-degree murder, but also of lesser charges, uh, which would have included manslaughter. And this was the verdict that many people had anticipated when it was reported that there were no visibly Indigenous people chosen to serve on the on the jury. And it has once again very clearly demonstrated how the Canadian justice or injustice system treats Indigenous people. And there is a lot of outrage, uh, especially online. And today, which is Saturday, the day after the the verdict came down, there will be vigils and rallies held across Canada. Yeah. And I I mean, there's something about expecting a verdict such as this in a case where, you know, this is a young person who was shot in the head at close range after having an interaction like I just in what world like in this world in fact actually in this world is the world where where that makes sense in this world if you were an indigenous person that makes absolute sense and I rack my brain often about like why why do people still want to live in this world like why (laughs) why in a sense of like because many people don't in a sense of why aren't people pushing as hard as I am to try to fucking change this place? I try it. For me, there's a whole bunch of competing things happening here. There is the broad consensus of mainstream Canada that that you can you can have a just trial. That a just trial with fair-minded people, <laughs> fair-minded people. Um, fair colored people uh, <laughs> will <laughs> will deliver some measure of justice and that is uh, a, a myth uh, that the entire justice system is built on and so a lot of people need to take comfort in that and they can take comfort in that because they have never directly experienced the injustice that is built within the system but the problem is is that the the people who 
who are like thought leaders or journalists or creating the mainstream narrative around these things are so disconnected from uh, the reality that uh, other people experience uh, in relation to the courts that that divide rarely gets exposed because the people for whom the court systems are not just, they don't have the same access to creating thought or creating uh, myth or creating a common understanding of how Canada operates. And so we're seeing a clash of those worlds uh, on a place like uh, Twitter, because everyone actually gets to be able to express themselves. It also exposes for so many white people how disconnected they really are, we really are, from from injustice, from that day-to-day grind of what it's like to live in an unjust state perpetually. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about, well, not the interesting thing, but the thing you know, the thing that I think brings this also to the forefront is that it is a uh, an interaction between an Indigenous person and a white person, which makes it news. But the injustice that happens within the Indigenous community, within Black communities, are happening daily. Um, uh, the injustice that we experience when we interact with the so-called justice system. And we don't see those stories all the time because they are within the black community. They're within the indigenous community. So when when we see an interaction that is between a white person, in this case, and an indigenous person, then the injustice all of a sudden enters the, the national imagination, maybe. Because, you know, there are certainly people out there who think that this is just certainly the 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 all-white jury thinks that this is a a a decision that makes sense um and you know to hear the the stories told about what's happening locally is you know like the racial tensions have erupted as though those you know it's just racism actually it's just it's not racial tensions it's just racism is becoming more overt because Mm. of a flashpoint right Oh, God. I see a lot of people reaching to the question of, like, how do you fix this? And I uh, I also find that question quite uh, fascinating because it, it kind of forces a conversation about what's it going to take to overhaul the courts? What's it going to take to overhaul the justice system in Canada or the injustice system in Canada? And we quite quickly find ourselves in a place that I think a lot of people, mostly white people, but not only, but a lot of people are not ready to talk about the fact that like to the core, this country is rotten. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It it cuts, it cuts so deep. Yeah. People think about this kind of a thing as an incident, as not connected to, Um, you know, the way that Indigenous people are forced to live in this country as a result of uh, the white supremacist organization of Canada, the white supremacist creation that is Canada. And so, you know, they're thinking, oh, this, this bad thing has happened in this case. And not connecting it to all the bad things that have happened in all the cases and non-official cases and uh, general living conditions. Yeah, it's not just about the justice system. It's about the whole damn society. It's about everything. And I, you know, it it really frustrates me that it seems like it's you know it's it seems like 
people have been screaming this at the top of their lungs for so long and people still can't get it that it's not this is the entire society needs a shift no amount of prime ministers with indigenous tattoos is going to solve this problem you know we have politicians who are tweeting at colton bushi's family their you know their regret or their thoughts and prayers or whatever including justin trudeau what does that do what is that what is that going to do for Colton Bushi's family, community, for indigenous families and communities more broadly? What have they actually been doing? There's no actual commitment to dismantling the white supremacy, the colonialism that creates the conditions where something like this can happen. It makes me think about how useful for uh, the continuation of this injustice the frame of thoughts and prayers or the individual expressions of sorrow or the individual expressions of a desire to see change. And so what we have are, as you say, like politicians who literally are the ones who could do it. To, they could be making change, right? They could be the ones to oversee an overview of the, of the court system or whatever. But instead, it's, it's the limit of these individual expressions is just a cycle, a downward spiral of uh, hopelessness. And, and if we don't step back and see the connection between all of these pieces, and then what emerges is the, the picture of actually uh, resistance has to be community resistance. It has to be building solidarity across people. Uh, rather than uh, Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister, can you fix this yourself? Oh, I, I'm just going to give my thoughts and my prayers and my condolences to the family. That, uh, as you say, these are flashpoints that, that, that pop up of something that is always, always happening. On one hand, we have a government that, you know, expresses, that says good words, right? That, that, that apparently is on the right side of things. They're on the, the side of justice. Exactly. They're on the yeah. side of people who are being oppressed. On the other side of things, then they're cutting deals mm -hmm. to sell military helicopters to the Philippines to to a regime that we know is going to use these 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 helicopters mm -hmm. to kill people. And so that is organized terrorism, organized crime while at the same time we are we as society are so poisoned such that all we can think of are these individualized expressions. And so you see people, especially on Twitter, I saw last night, a lot of people saying, hey, I'm a, I'm a white woman and I am so sad about the Colton Bushi decision and I, um, I tell me what to do. I will do anything. <laughs> and it's, it's like a cry for help that everyone is so isolated that they cannot break out of that individualistic feeling of that how fucked we are mm -hmm. and that feeling is not conducive to doing anything useful no and a community that is constantly living that oppression isn't just like sitting on twitter being like oh my god fuck because like you'd be doing it all the fucking time <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but for white people it's just sitting here being like oh man what do we what do we do what do we what do we do like what can i do as an individual it's like okay how about you stop thinking in those terms can you can we change the way we think <laughs> yeah and you know that's you know i do a lot of talks i've been doing a lot of talks this month because it's black history month and that frame of thinking that 
you know, what can I do is a question that comes up so often. It kind of makes me laugh for several reasons. It's also kind of like a performative thing where people are like, I want to do better. What can I do? And it's just, it's just, you know, what if indigenous and black communities and other communities who've been organizing, like, we're just sitting around being like, what can I do? Like, the, the to me, the answer is obvious. How can you not think about getting uh, organized in a community sense? Like, there's, it just, what can you do as an individual? Nothing. Go find your community. Right. <laughs> like, go, go organize. Go get, go become more than one. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Uh, I think that's that is why we started off this particular episode with the words uh, coming from uh, Colton Bushi's family insisting that people mobilize and organize to fight this stuff uh, because that's what it's going to take. Mm-hmm. That's what it's going to take. Yeah, and to to expect that. Um that the best ideas that any social movement has ever come up with were forged in a collective debate mm-hmm. were forged were forged like you know any single tactic i i am guessing as i'm not privy to the discussions of black lives matter toronto but i am guessing that every one of the tactics that you folks have engaged in came out of discussion <laughs> <laughs> absolutely these are not magical there there's not there is no magical solution uh the solution is that that we uh, we need to be tearing down, uh, collectively tearing down certain structures and finding ways to force these things to, to happen and to also refuse to be silent when it's not necessarily as as high profile a case as this is. You know, the, the injustices faced by Indigenous people in this country are well known. And mm-hmm. uh, if you listen to the people talking about the injustices they face on a daily basis, you cannot be unaware of them. And it's been a long time since we've had a had the opportunity to sit down and record. And mm-hmm. a lot of things have happened in that time. Yeah. And one of the things I am most stricken by, stricken? Struck. Is um struck by <laughs> it, it it is like an, an an affliction so i feel afflicted by it is mm-hmm. the discussion about free speech when we compare the difference between that like random ta at at laurier it's like random uh-huh. student at a random university in random ontario sorry waterloo <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh-huh. versus versus the story of tamara malcolm who is fighting Child and Family Services in Manitoba to have her sons back and yeah. how she is is literally under the thumb of the state. She has to fight to just get her children back uh, and how she like, you know, there has been some coverage of her case, uh, notably out of Winnipeg, but she has to be her own advocate and she's had to risk losing her children even more because because the agency has said that she's not allowed to name her own children online that there's like publication bans oh that she God. puts them into jeopardy if she talks about the fact that she lives a clean and traditional life and that the original problem goes back to an abusive ex-partner who's not in the picture any- like everything about her situation has changed and still the state keeps her children from her and or or we could talk about Two community members from Fort Albany in, in, in northeastern Ontario shot and killed 
by Timmins police this past week. Mm, uh, a young mm, man and an yeah. older woman. Yeah. Like these are these are issues of injustice that are always happening in this country. And who's talking about them? And let's, you know, let, we can also talk about the Abdul Abdi case and the other cases of the unnamed um, uh, people who have similar experiences. Abdul Abdi being when he came to this country as a as a refugee was raised in care uh, in Nova Scotia. And when you're raised in care as a refugee, the, the government is meant to apply for status for you. And there are there's a bunch of cases where the government has not. And so then he 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 grows out of care. Um, he becomes arrested and they want to they want to deport him even though he's been here his entire life and he's, you know, grown up under the state and the state is the one who did not do right by him and they still want to deport him. Now, in his particular case, because of activism having been done, um, he has been uh, released from incarceration and is now uh, with his family, but the state is still trying to deport him. It's just... So much. There's just so much with the way that this whole uh, country uh, and not just this country, like, you know, the West uh, and its laws are constituted that, you know, people just it's not an isolated incident for everybody who's in one like listening. <laughs> you know, these things aren't isolated incidents. Um, they're part of a, a broader rot within the entire constitution of our society and no you can't individually do something um but yes you can do something and the first step needs to be becoming organized becoming mobilized as colton bushy's family is calling for Mm -hmm. yeah and and actually to to take that a bit further it's not even a question about whether or not these are isolated incidents but they are actually intentional incidents. Mm-hmm. So far from being like random expressions of a system that has holes in it, right? That people are falling through holes. That it's actually a system that does not care about certain people. Mm-hmm. And and you can see that in every metric. Every single metric. You can see that. And and not only can you see that in every metric, but you also can see that in how we talk about uh, the economy in this country and um, and how we uh, talk about the land, right? Like, I, I, God, I feel like some of this stuff is so basic, but, I, you know, if you're listening and you don't think it's basic, feel free to not be shy and let us know and be like, I really appreciated um, you walking me through this because I didn't know. So when we talk about um, uh, pipelines, Right. Because that was a big issue this week. Pipelines and the this this war, apparently, that's happening between British Columbia and Alberta. The the, the, the discussion about poisoning the land, clearing the land all goes back to the myth uh, that Canada was built on top of nothing. Yeah. And, you know, I caught um, uh, even the NDP. I caught uh, Jagmeet Singh talking to Paul Wells from McLean's uh, earlier this week Mm because I'm going to head to the the convention actually which is anyway fun it's gonna be super fun actually I'm, I'm so stoked i gotta say 
and 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 Paul was trying to get Jagmeet to talk about uh, you know, to enter into this this what seems like an NDP war, right? Which is from a journalist perspective, I guess, kind of interesting. And and Jagmeet was talking about how you know Canada's a resource economy. We are a, we are a, an economy of natural resources, and you know we have to balance jobs in the environment. It, what the hell kind of left perspective is that? It's not a left perspective. And like, I don't want to get, <laughs> I don't want to get too down on the NDP because they're as infected as everyone else. And, and a lot of people have a long way to go within that party to understand how these things are all connected. But that, that is the left flank of, of Canadian mainstream Canadian politics. This idea that, that the debate is, well, we have to balance jobs and the environment. And it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> no, we no, we do not. Actually, we if we wanted to do- balance jobs, and the environment, what we would do is we would open up five thousand childcare centers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And be like, check it out, and we're gonna have a intense program training men to work in childcare because guess what, you guys are totally capable of doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Can also just balance living, surviving. And take balance out of the equation altogether. <laughs> Just think of think about survival. <laughs> yeah, balance our need to dig big holes. Go back to being a five-year-old, right? We just wanted to dig big holes. <laughs> that wasn't my reality at five. No, you you didn't uh, try to dig to China. Definitely not. No. Oh. See, the indoctrination for us uh, young white kids is, is very, uh, it goes very deep. Yeah, clearly. Earth, earth crust deep. <laughs> it's, it's part of your upbringing. It's um, embedded <laughs> into you very young. I, I just sang a lot as a child. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was fun. Part of not being able to record ever means that we were hoping to divide three episodes up uh, to talk about two other very important issues, which are very connected to colonization and colonialism and how colonialism continues. But if you don't have that kind of time, uh, we're going to wrap up this segment by, uh, I guess for me, expressing uh, unbelievable sadness. And my heart is with a lot of my friends who live in Saskatchewan, the folks who I went to school with, uh, folks that uh, you know, both of us know from the student movement, and that um, hey, like white people, uh, it is not, it is not a, good, it's not good enough to do what I just did only. <laughs> that you need to, that you need to get organized. Yeah, I don't have profound words to say. I'm just really frustrated, and angry, and sad, all at the same time. And I implore folks who are listening to make sure that your communities are, you know, going farther than just talking about this and getting ready to, in any way possible, shift this society so that we can really change the conditions under which people who are Indigenous, who are Black, are living under. Because mm-hmm. it is it is absolutely not acceptable, and it's not it's not a life. It, these aren't lives that pe- people should be forced to live. People should not be forced to live this way. 
and um, we all have a responsibility or implication at least in that. So uh, let's heed the call to be organized, to be mobilized. Mm-hmm.